0: The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog.
1: You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA show with host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. <laughs> You by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recaps the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 159 of the Underdog Sports NBA Show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today?
0: I'm doing well. I'm happy you're here. You have a sick baby. You have the disappointment of your beloved. Great Britain team losing
1: please. It's England. It's referred to as England or the three lines. Oh,
0: I guess you're right. Cause they, they, are they separate soccer teams?
1: I don't know. Great Britain is the same thing, right? They just don't because oh, Great so Britain's
0: straight. like the greater Britain, I think, you know, including no, they, Scotland and stuff, right? Right. There's
1: Scotland, Ireland, Wales, and England. Those four yeah. teams so on that those, stupid Island.
0: But they, I, I, do they all play the same soccer team? I really don't know. No, no.
1: Those team. are all four different. Those are four different soccer teams.
0: Okay. So the, yeah,
1: that's why it'd be England and not Great Britain. Okay.
0: We learn something new every day. Um, and we learned something new about uh, Giannis. He's pretty good.
1: Yeah. I can't believe the guy is healthy. It's like insane to watch. So, okay. It's it's Monday. We're recording after the Bucks 120 to 100 game three win on Sunday night. And I think there are a lot of things to take away from the series. Uh, I, I will say, and this is a little bit surprising, uh, I have checked Bobato Sportsbook.com today, and the Suns are still minus 250 to win the series. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Obviously, the Suns are up 2 1. It's easier to win two games than it is three games. But I I, Thought Zan that we would probably see a little bit of overcorrection after Sunday night's win because the Bucks won so handily, Mm -hmm. and and I I thought you know Mike Buttonholzer, everyone's favorite like playoff punching bag, actually made some some pretty good defensive adjustments that seem like they could definitely carry over.
0: Yeah, and well, I agree, and um, because last time we did a podcast, the finals hadn't started yet, correct? And we thought Giannis would miss two games, so. At least, you know, and so the idea that he was back and playing well. <laughs> Games two and three, he scored 83 points and had 25 rebounds. And playing better than he did against Brooklyn, you know, it's like, insane.
1: He, could, it's like crazy. he would think
0: he would be able to have done this against Brooklyn. I'm not sure why he didn't, um, but I think it was a matchup thing. And I think, you know, like I'm no coach and guru like you, but like it was clear in that first game, like they were just like, they had the wrong strategy. Bro, I'm talking about Milwaukee. You know, it's yeah. like they're they were just getting roasted, like they're big guys yeah. by these guards, and then playing Giannis more as a small ball five really works. And, and he, if he, anything, just keeping him like active and around the rim and they're like, he always, hasn't seemingly lost anything. They're always so
1: slow to do that, and and yeah. I and, and and I'm not even saying this year without DiVincenzo. Like it makes it a little harder to do it without Dante, but. Bud is, like, for some reason just doesn't like to do it. And they do need Brooke Lopez. He's got to make shots. That, you know, he's an above-average three-point shooter. They do need those guys on the floor. Like, Bobby Portis, though, you don't always need him. But, like, in game three, when Aiden was, like, off the floor, like, Bud was almost like, let's go super giant and just destroy the rim. And, like, and they played Aiden – or they played Portis and Brooke and Giannis, like, two of the three at all times pretty much. And that's something we did not really expect to right. see.
0: Well, and. and it- yeah, although we kind of saw that the idea, like if Phoenix has a weakness, and they really don't, you know, like they're—I mean, si- size too. and
1: size and rebounding is like very clearly a right. Like
0: there's... that's what I mean. Like the depth of it too. Like you can play eight, but then after that, you know, yeah, Darius Sarich, Smith, the rookie's not ready. Sarge is hurt.
1: He tore ACL in game one. Like that's a tough beat for them. It's hard for them to play Frank Kaminsky. Like he's not terrible in small stretches, but like in small stretches against Giannis, he's pretty awful. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's not ideal for him. And then, like, they just don't have, like, Jay Crowder's a little small. I mean, like... Um, yeah,
1: there there were a couple clips on Sunday night that you could see, like, Jay Crowder, like, just battling his ass off, and it just didn't matter. Like, Giannis would just tip the ball in the air, or, like, Bobby Portis would get a hand on it, and they would just keep it alive. And it's, it's going to be interesting to me to see what Phoenix decides to do, because I didn't really think that this offensive game plan was all that different than game two. Like, Giannis had a big game, Middleton shot well in the first half, Drew shot well in the second half, but really like their offensive rebounding numbers were about the same. Their second chance numbers were the same points in the paint were pretty close. I thought what made the biggest difference is, and and I'm surprised you didn't open the show, like patting yourself on the back, but they literally were like, Hey, PJ Tucker, like you're never guarding Devin Booker. Like you just, you're not going to do it. That was one of the biggest things that they started picking up ball handlers, you know, just over just before half court, like about three quarter court. And then You know, they put Tucker on Chris Paul, they put Tucker a little bit more on Jay Crowder on Mikkel Bridges, and they had Drew guard Devin Booker, and then they played Connington, you know, when they needed two guards in the game. And so I thought that was the biggest difference because it limited, really, it limited the chances the Suns had to get to the rim, but it also really limited their corner threes, which was something that they did not do well in game two.
0: All this right, stat, I, I'm misquoting the stacks that I don't have in front of me, but it was like they gave up like 22 corner threes in game two, and it went down to like three in the next game. Yeah,
1: they gave up three. And, and I think, you know, obviously Devin Booker didn't play well. Even against the best defender in the world, I would expect Booker to play better in game four than he played. And that might be Drew, I don't know. But then he played in game three. But I, I think that like they now realize like there's a, there is a very good blueprint moving forward for the Bucks to win. And I think that we saw in game three, that the Suns cannot go zone like that. That's what they're going to try to do because they're not very big, but like the bucks just got a million duck And like, they, they literally, I, they, here, here's a stat for you, right? This is from Seth part now. And he, I don't know. It's not like his stat, but he just tweeted it, but Monty Williams complained after the game about free throws. Right. And Giannis shot 17 as himself and the Bucks shot 16 Phoenix, the entire night, Attempted sixteen shots in the restricted area, and Giannis himself attempted twelve. Like, yeah,
0: I mean that—that it, that was a kind of. I love Monty Williams, but that was a lame ass excuse, especially because they
1: got a favorable whistle. Yeah, the, the refereeing had no bearing on this game. I know no. people were like all about. Scott well, even Foster if it
0: did, stuff, like Scott Foster, like you lost by twenty. I mean, yeah, come
1: it, on. it wasn't. It wasn't even that close, honestly. Right. Like, it,
0: it, well, you know they, what I thought was a key to your point earlier about PJ Tucker, like the first game and second game. Like, it was just so clear, like, what um, the Suns were doing. Like, let's say Chris Paul had the ball. It's, like, they could literally just, like, walk the ball up, decide, like, who they wanted him to be guarded by, get, like, a pick and a switch, and then just, like, work over whoever that was, whether it was Brooke Lopez or, you know, when they went small, Pat Connington or whatever. And I think, like, the thing I was really impressed with in the series, aside from Giannis, like, Drew Holiday, like, works hard for 24 seconds. And, like, it bothers Chris Paul and um this is his size and his like tenacity and to the point of like he'll even guard him like you know full court almost just to like take yeah. extra seconds off and it like li- limits their ability to like do those slow switches and like one-on-one play you know like drew's been really good and you could see um chris paul like it reminded me like chris paul like he just acts differently when drew holiday's on him and he's yeah, it's, like, fighting it's, it's, to stay on him like he, tough, he's much tough, more deferential
1: And they, I mean, I don't know exactly. It'd be interesting. I could, I could probably text somebody that has second spectrum access, but I'd, I'd be interested to see how much time drew spent specifically on Devin Booker in game three, because obviously that seems like a small adjustment, but like you said, like the bucks were like picking up Chris Paul Booker campaign, like as early as they possibly could. And, and, and you kind of mentioned this via text recently, and we haven't really delved into it because like the bucks just have a short rotation but they always look like you said, the books just look exhausted, right? So now we're going into this stretch of the series where there's two nights off in between each game. And like, that's a huge advantage for Milwaukee because they yeah. really have, I've kind of made this joke several different times, but like they really have like seven guys and you just kind of count like Portis, Jeff Teague and uh, Bryn Forbes is like 0.33 people and whoever's playing well sort of just plays as that next role. And so like having extra days off allows them to really just kind of, you know, if you got to play Giannis 48 minutes, you have to play Chris Middleton 48 minutes, like you can do it with, with an extra day off. If you have just one day off and a travel day, like that's, it's not good enough. And I think that the finals is, I think the structure of the finals really favors the Bucks because you can tell that they, they really kind of amped up their aggressiveness and you don't typically yeah. see teams do that in playoff series because it's, it's hard to sustain.
0: Well, and, um, you know, usually you can beat them, but like the Suns, like, their role players are not, like, ball handlers, really, right? So, no, like, yeah, not
1: almost not at all, right? Like, right. Bridges and Crowder and those guys, like, you don't want them to have the ball. It's really they have three guys who handle it for them.
0: Yeah, so they really need Paul and Booker to handle it. And the surprise Paul, you know, he's, like, famously, like, amazing at avoiding turnovers. Six turnovers in game two, four turnovers in game three. And he's still shooting well. He's still playing well. But I'm saying, like, he reminds me a little bit of – um He's such like a basketball, I guess genius. Do you want to call him that? He is, he Very is that. smart I, basketball player. I would say
1: that.
0: It reminds me of LeBron. That first series against San Antonio, when like, he, whenever Kawhi was on him, he would pass the ball. Young Kawhi, and whenever anyone else was on him, he was attacking. And I think you see that with Chris Paul. It's like when Drew Holiday's on him, he's more deferential. If anyone else is on them, he he's going to try to score. And I think it's. um I think the Bucks just like fighting hard is really keeping Drew not getting switched off as much. Trying to fight through it is helpful. Yeah, they were almost. But that said, like I mean,
1: they were too switchable in Game One. I think is what yes, your overall like, point like, is.
0: Like, yes, it was like like lift their skirt and like do what you want. You yeah. They, <laughs>
1: oh man, they, does that have to get edited? I don't. No, know. No, 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 no. But like they they were they were very switchable in Game One, and then I think in Game Two. They kind of were like, all right, we're not going to switch a ton. And, you know, in game two, I do think Phoenix just outplayed Milwaukee, but I think Milwaukee, you know, I, I what was the final score? It was like 118, just 108. Game two, or, yeah. Uh, let me look. It was 118, to 118 108. 108. Right. But Milwaukee actually played pretty well on offense. They just didn't play super well on defense. And I think they were, they were too easily screenable in game two because they were kind of just like steadfast in their matchups. This is what we're going to do. And I think that they found a pretty good medium. To not yeah. get into that trap in Game Three, and, and you know, one of one of the bigger problems here is that like, if they k- get Aiton in foul trouble, right? The Suns are just sort of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. It doesn't really matter what their game plan is unless they're making tons of shots, because like without Aiton on the court, they they really nobody really has an answer for Giannis, right? This is the same type of thing we always talk about, but like without Aiton on the court, like it's really hard to limit the Bucks because like Connington Middleton. Tucker, Portis, Drew, like those guys are all really good rebounders from their specific position. So it's not just, you know, really they're only bad rebounders, Brooke Lopez. But like- um, But you know,
0: you're right. Like, cause it's like, and then if you're a Suns fan, you'll be like, look, everything kind of went wrong. You know, like Aiden foul trouble, only played 24 minutes. Booker it, shot three of 14. Did like, it this really? this is not go, our game.
1: Did it really go terribly wrong though? Like the Aiden foul trouble for sure, but like Phoenix didn't really- I mean, Phoenix was still fourteen. Uh, hold on. Well, go. Phoenix. Jay Crowder
0: hit six of their nine threes. Yeah, that's which is tough. That's unusual. That's,
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they were nine of thirty-one from three. They still but, shot. But you know, but you could say,
0: hey, Jay Crowder hit six of seven. So that's not everything going wrong.
1: It's probably not good. You don't want Jay Crowder to be like on the wrong end who's of like variance in a long time. Like Jay Crowder. <laughs> you you expect Jay Crowder like you hope Jay Crowder's hot in your wins. When when he's hot in your losses, you're like, damn it, like we might not see this again for like three or four games. And we I would might love Like it. I,
0: if I was like a good statistician, we need to have on this. It certainly feels like Jay Crowder is like the most hot and cold shooter
1: in the league. Like he's like, like he's either shooting 80% or 10%.
0: Yeah. It's never, he's going 33% every time. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I would, look, at, I, I mean, like, look, he went five, one game, zero for four. The next game, five for nine, zero for five, then six for seven. It's just like, may Everyone's like that to a certain extent, but like the way it looks is very different.
1: He's got to see the first one go in. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 really interesting what Phoenix's adjustments will be for Wednesday night. I think is game four because obviously this is. You know, game four is really important, and if the Bucks win game four, then game five will be the most important game of all time. Like that's just kind of how it works. But if the Suns are to win game four, I think it, it it puts everybody on notice that like, hey, it really did. It really was a situation of like everything going wrong for Phoenix. I I don't necessarily agree with that Sam, because I do think that there are some changes that Milwaukee made that I think it's like weird, right? Like it, it seems like it takes Bud like a game or two to like really lock into like what the adjustments are. And I don't want to just blame him, his staff and, and their advanced right. scouts and everything are, are certainly to blame too. But it's almost like in the regular season when you don't really get scouted for, like it's very easy to play your specific style and make just like slight tweaks, right? And and you lose games and it's okay. But it's like in the playoffs, like it takes Bud a minute to like figure out what other teams are doing. Cause this is now like the third series in a row where we've seen him sort of make a very drastic adjustment in like game three or four that ends up being good. But at the same time, like,
0: yeah, it's like, well, why,
1: I, what, why can't you make like this adjustment? And I'm sure game one of this series, they weren't sure if Giannis was truly going to be a hundred percent. And if he's not a hundred percent, then the guy's just an animal. But like, it just seems like they, they were able to get a, a layup or a dunk, like almost whenever they wanted in game three, even when Aiden yeah. was on the floor, they weren't, it, there wasn't much resistance.
0: Yeah. And I wonder how Eden's going to play now. Cause you know, that his foul trouble was a major storyline. A major yeah. factor.
1: I would I would love to go on Bovada and bet a million dollars that DeAndre Ayton finishes game four with like three thousand.
0: <laughs> um I but you know what in Bud's defense I think it's like he's slow to adjust, slow to adjust. Because, like the guys that we love, this you know, Tyloo, Monty Williams, like they have like a full cupboard. Like the Bucks are pretty thin right now. Yeah. They are running on fumes. Like I,
1: I would agree with that that the Bucks Propensity for adjustments or capability for adjustments is is probably less than the Suns because like you can only play a certain way. I I also I wonder those and I wonder if like this is pretty existential. So you feel free to tell me if you do or don't want to get down this rabbit hole. But as the NBA has changed so much over the last few years, we've kind of always talked about how things ultimately are, are are like cyclical, right? So like nobody posts up anymore. Like nobody really wants to shoot twos, but like Phoenix shoots a good amount of twos. Like they shoot a ton of mid range shots. They were the best mid range shooting team in the league in the regular season shot really well from the mid range, you know, in this series leading up to last night or Sunday night. But I, I honestly wonder if like Bud was a little bit worried to just be like, you know, we need to shoot threes, which is true, but like Milwaukee's not a great three point shooting team, but I wonder if he was like a little bit concerned about like his adjustment being like, you know what, we need to just go huge and just pound them inside. And he was kind of hesitant to do that. Cause it's like, ah, it's not really what, how teams play. We know analytically, it's not the the, the best way to play. And I wonder if he was a little bit slower because of that. Cause he figured like, you know, we still want to be shooting threes. We still want to be having like an optimal shot profile. And but I wonder if the adjustment to, There's something was,
0: to that. Like the people have been saying that, like the playoffs are a different animal and like the mid range, you know, unconventional now shots are more important. You've seen a little bit like Kawhi was playing really well. Yeah, I mean, Chris, really I mean well. Chris
1: Paul was very useful in the playoffs because he, he makes Yeah, many and, and Booker,
0: you're right. Like Booker does not shoot as many threes as people think. He shoots, no, a he, lot of twos. he shoots a lot of twos. Um. Yeah. So maybe, you know, pounding the glass, you know, old school kind of basketball. And it is funny, like Giannis, different body type, different style, but it, it does feel like a shack kind of effect. Just like in <laughs> it, terms of like the gravity and just it, like,
1: that's why, like, Monty Williams, like, bitching about free throws, like, made me, like, laugh. Because I, I always thought that there are guys that just get officiated differently. And, like, Giannis just gets destroyed, right? Like, because he's so big and strong, it's like Shaq. He goes through guys. Same thing with LeBron. But, like, those guys get fouled more than anyone. Like Giannis Yeah, and, and, a, and a lot of
0: it goes both ways. It's like holding in, all, you know, football. Yeah. It's like you can maybe call it every time. But, like, he's definitely – there's a lot of contact. There's definitely yeah. contact. On it's it's part.
1: hard to officiate a guy like him because, like, yeah. when he just barrels through somebody – like, what are you supposed to do with, you know, sometimes it's not an offensive foul, but it's also like, well, what's the defender supposed to do, right? <laughs> Well, that's what
0: Shaq, like if people didn't watch prime Shaq, that's what he would do. Like he would post up and then just like slam into the guy like three times until he like, fell over and then he just would dunk the, it.
1: Just to hold the ball against his chest, move his <laughs> yeah. back back and the dude has to give up space. Yeah, And crazy. not is
0: like that, I was like run into you <laughs> and then like, what are you going to do? Um, like a freight train. Uh, I don't I do. know, but what do you think? Like overall, so like it's one two one. The Bucks are favored on Bovada by four right now. Four, and yeah, nine.
1: four four in game four, right? That's yeah, right. that that feels about right. They, that they feels were, about right, but I were,
0: think it. I think it's a fifty fifty game almost. Really,
1: well, in the sense that there are two teams playing. I guess that, <laughs> that makes sense, right? I, I think it's. I, I think it's interesting. Uh, to me, this is going to sound like real Captain Obvious announcement, or like punditry if you will but you know Middleton gives you 18 and they got 21 from Drew on Sunday night and Drew had a big stretch in the third quarter when the Suns went on, or when the Bucks went on their big run where he made four threes Giannis is probably going to give you similar production I, I don't and I don't expect Giannis to have like 40 and 10 again but mm-hmm. it could definitely happen but I think like we can just pencil Giannis in for between like 30 and 40 and 10 plus rebounds for the rest of the series he, he has to get other production right because Mm. i and i I think like that's the biggest thing like if 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 we knew chris middleton was going to show up for the next three or four games three four games whatever and and be like olympian chris middleton and average like 25 8 and 5 i would just assume the bucks are going to win going away because I, i don't think phoenix has it in their bag to be able to stop the bucks on offense if the bucks are doing what they're doing i think the biggest key is like what what shooters show up for milwaukee and then for phoenix like does their shooting continue to regress because like if they're not going to be 50 plus percent from the mid-range it's awful hard for them to get to the rim in this series so they really need to shoot it well and they are a very good shooting team but in but in reality in game three we we saw that regress a a bit like they just and they can't really have that i think it has
0: to be has to be middleton because i like drew holiday obviously talked about his defense he's not like a great shooter he's not even a above average shooter. He's like an average shooter. So like Chris Middleton's the guy who can get hot and score 30. Yeah.
1: yeah. And if you get that guy, right. It, because your margin for error, like their margin for error on Wednesday was a lot because Giannis was spectacular and both drew and Middleton were quite good and their other players were good. But like you could see in game two, the margin for error is not as big as you think. Like Giannis was equally as spectacular in game two and Phoenix was able to overcome it because Middleton and drew were both horrific in game two from an offensive standpoint.
0: Um, yeah, and I'm looking at the Bucks Like, how did they get, like, you know, it comes falls back to the Bogdanovich, you know, aborted signing or whatever. Like, how did they get so thin? Um, do you yeah. know they're still paying John lore $3 million? Yeah. But that doesn't
1: count against your cap. They stretched John Lure. Oh, yeah.
0: dude, but that doesn't count? I thought no. it still did. Oh, because Larry Sanders is still getting $2 million a year.
1: Yeah, those those two dudes are dead cap figures, though. You just are able to, like, th- th- that counts as $5 million against their cap. You're right.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. So yeah. So that that's 5 million and they're, they're going to pay Larry Sanders. is going to get $2 million next year from the bucks. Yeah. Larry Sanders, another guy that like, he hasn't uh, been in the league since when, I don't know.
1: It's been a while. If only, if only the NBA had like normalized marijuana back when Larry Sanders was there, I think we'd, we'd maybe see a different player. It's interesting too, because you know, we, game three kind of showed that like Giannis's gravity of like diving to the rim really screws up teams like the Suns. And it, it, it's interesting when it's Giannis because everyone acknowledges how great he is because he's a fantastic finisher and his hands are really good. and But like the way that the Bucks sort of played with Giannis in game three was pretty similar to what we see from teams that have like hard screen, do- like, you know, Clint Capellas and like Rudy Gobert's of the world. They're just not as good as Giannis, right? And and they're not playing as teams, teams that are small. Those guys just can't dominate you that way. But – Watching Giannis, you know, that's how they used to play with Larry Sanders, actually. And and he, I think he would actually be a pretty okay player in the league, but you know, he yeah. had some other he stuff some going of, on.
0: I've heard he's actually a really nice guy in real life. Um,
1: so have I, actually. Yeah, so, he uh, played
0: five games in 2016 2017 for the Cavs, but and that his was last. It, right? Yeah, his last like season with Milwaukee was 2014 15. Yeah, and they, like gave him, they gave him what they give
1: him. They gave him like four years, 40 something million, I think. And yeah, because like
0: his third year, he averaged nine and nine with three blocks, looked like a superstar on defense, and then yeah. got paid. And then I, I think he's actually never mind, I can't say it, but like I know somebody who knows him and and uh, he's not yeah, super he, happy about the way he, he went out. Let's just,
1: yeah, correct. I, I, I knew that as well. And John Moore is another bad contract, but. When you talk about like the Bucks being really thin, I think the, the the issue with Dante is that like he makes less money and he's clearly not as good as Bogdanovich, but he also allows them to play a rotation that in theory is deep enough without Bogdanovich and keep Drew there to keep their title window open a little bit longer. And I don't think they could do that if they had signed Bogdanovich. So I think in the long run, this is a little bit better because let's say they don't come back and beat the Suns, which I, I think you know, the Bovada odds on that are, are pretty clear that not a lot of people think that that's going to happen. I think it gives them another shot when healthy to be able to just run it back again. And I don't think you could do that with Bogdanovich. So it, I think in the long run, it'll end up working out in their favor, even if we agree that Bogdanovich is better than Dante. And I don't even know that I think that, but I'm just saying.
0: No, I, I think that's that's a fair point. And also, but it, either way, whether it's Dante or Bogdanovich, it's clear like the the Bucks could use another guy right right now, at least like they need know. some, they need like a competent, you know, wing player.
1: Like, what do you think the they, title, what do you think they do? Like that, that's kind of a bigger question. And, and maybe it's one for like our off season, you know, when we need content, but you know, I don't think the Bucks are like necessarily even in a position to like, I don't even know who's super helpful for them, you know, like,
0: well, I think honestly, like, I think if they lose, let's say they lose the series four two. um, I think they'll try again. I think they'll do a similar type of move to Bogdanovich, maybe package, you know, Portis is going to be, has a player option, but you can maybe use him to sign a trade or something. I don't know how much he's going to get. Um, but yeah, but Vincenzo is making 5 million or Forbes, you could throw into a contract. I think they're going to try to find another guy who's just, but maybe not. I mean, you know, Stephen is playing better. He's improving, so maybe they think they're comfortable with this. Don't just chalk it up to like he was hurt? Um, don't He's pretty just, good. You don't think so? Yeah. Like, I think he's okay. You know, I think he's fine. I think he's like an okay starter, but like he's probably like one of the five worst starting shooting guards. Which think is he's you know of, you still think worth he's, like ten million dollars a year.
1: You, wow, that's that's interesting. I, I see. I, I actually think that with Stephen Chenzo healthy, I don't, I don't know how much of a series this would be
0: no, I'm not saying that. Yeah, I mean it's helpful to have an extra starter for sure. Um, if like
1: you're agreeing that he's a starter quality
0: player, right? That's what I'm saying. Like a yeah. low end starter. Okay,
1: all right, that's fair. I, I can get on board with that. I mean, but it, it, it's interesting too because like the Bucks, you have to feel a little bit better for their future than you do for Phoenix because you know I, I think we know at this point that Chris Paul's not going to pick up his option. I, I think that you know he's going to want to sign something in the neighborhood of like three years, 100 million, and I don't, it doesn't seem like Phoenix is going to pay. You know, I,
0: I, you know, I, you tell me now to, but I sometimes I'm on Reddit still. And there was, you just look back. on like not drafting Tyrese Halliburton who would have been it's a big deal. It's a big great deal. combo guard, great error after whenever Chris Paul leaves. Um, it still feels very odd. I don't know behind the scenes. Especially
1: but, when like you're in a series where you actually need a backup five-man and Jalen Smith, yeah. Can't even yes, we keep
0: talking about how they need somebody like him, and they drafted him, or the, whoever the theoretical version of him was supposed to be. Like, this is exactly what you need him for. And, and he's just... Been, he's Yeah, he's like a sophomore. It's been the full season. He should be ready to go to play 20 minutes a night, 15 minutes. Not, not
1: even 20 minutes. Like, they they, yeah. they probably need him to, like, credibly play eight minutes. Right? That's it.
0: Right. Like, like the Akangwu, like, come in, look like kind of frisky, and then... Yeah. You know,
1: like, they, they, they couldn't play Kaminsky. I'm trying to see here. Even Well, with, Kaminsky
0: played 13, so I'm thinking but, about 13 from Kaminsky.
1: But that was with Aiton and no yeah. Saric, right? And so, obviously, yeah. we know at this point, I, I again, I, I feel very strongly that De- DeAndre Aiton will not be in foul trouble in game four. I, I I just, you know, how coaches complain about officiating, and then the NBA is like, yeah, you know, let's make it a little bit yeah. easier for you. I mean, I think it, the series actually favors the Bucs if the officiating becomes less... Ticky tack, like if they let him get away with stuff, like any team that has PJ Tucker is going to be favored when uh, officials decide to swallow their whistle. But yeah, they, they really only, I mean, Aiden's going to play 40 minutes a night if he's not in foul trouble. So they, they really don't need that many minutes, but they need a backup five, man. Like they were playing like Tory Craig and Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder as like their front court. And like I, against, I mean, Middleton is taller than all of those guys, right? Like, yeah.
0: Yeah, so what so what do you think? So, going forward, Bucks still- are minus four for the next game. You you think that's fair? I might bet Phoenix plus 160 to win.
1: You're saying that Phoenix is plus 160 to win game four on Bovada.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking, looking ahead, because we've talked about the matchups. Phoenix, just looking forward, game four, Phoenix is plus four, plus 160 to win money line. And I think I would look at both of those if I had to bet. Um I think it. You made fun of me, but I think it is like a 50-50 game. Um, I, I think maybe Milwaukee should be slightly favored, but and then the the. So tell me about game four. Where would you, if you had to bet, where would you go?
1: I bet Milwaukee. Um, I, I I do think that the adjustments Milwaukee made are are definitely much more indicative of like a strategy moving forward that I just don't know that Phoenix has a legitimate adjust, adjustment to. And don't get me wrong. I, I do not expect Evan Booker to play this poorly again on the offensive side of the ball. But I also think that like, you know, Aiton being your only rim protector is is not great, right? He's definitely better defensively. I think that people think, but if the Suns really are committed to just getting to the rim, I, I think they're going to shred Phoenix on offense. So I think the biggest key is like, how can Phoenix adjust their, their offensive game plan to make sure they continue to get good shots? Because the more that they have to rely on, you know, elbow jump shots and stuff like that, I, I just don't think they, ha- I don't think they can stop the bucks. So I think they need to be able to outscore the Bucks. And so I, I you know, obviously I think when the series gets back to Phoenix in game five, if it is two two, I think you know the sun should definitely be favored on Bovada back at home. They shoot the ball really well. Their crowd is awesome, um, but I don't necessarily think that. I don't think that that's just going to change things, right? I, I think that Phoenix. Well, that's what I was
0: going to ask. Is the series price? I would actually look almost look at Milwaukee I, for lo- the-
1: I, I like Milwaukee's value for the series yeah, price. For
0: plus sure. two ten, Phoenix minus two fifty. So the thinking: if say Milwaukee comes out with another strong game blows them out in game four or just wins handily. I think the series will be even, right? I mean, it's from... I the would lines. imagine
1: if, if if Milwaukee wins game four, I would imagine that it'll end up being like Milwaukee plus 110, Phoenix like plus yeah. 100. I think, I that think they because so, they, they they'll have make, home court. Yeah, they won't make Milwaukee favorites just because of the lack of home court. But again, we'll go back into that like one day off thing until in between games six and seven. And I don't really get that. I don't really understand why it gets that long. But I just... I, but the real question I think is like, if, if let's say this goes seven and Phoenix wins, but Giannis averages like 45 and 10, yeah like at some point I, I, I get that you know, the losing team never has an MVP or it hasn't since like Jerry West or whatever, but like Giannis is so clearly the best player in this series. Like it's, it's just not close. Like it's not close at all. And so yeah,
0: I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I forgot that I would say this. I'm an unconventional voter. In, that, in the sense that I don't have a vote, but also, like, I think you're more in line with me. Like, think outside the box. If Milwaukee lost the series 4-2 and it played out exactly, let's just repeat it, you know, the series exactly the same way, 2-1 becomes 4-2, I would vote Giannis for MVP right it, now. It'd be, it'd, like,
1: be, it'd be awful hard to, like, and, and again, he won't win, you know, it, it's less right. like when Iguodala won in, like, 14-15, when LeBron was, like, very clearly the best player in the series, like, it just doesn't work that way. But, like, what Giannis is currently doing is, is like amazing. Like when we watched Shaquille O'Neal do this, everyone was like, Oh my God, this is incredible. When we watched LeBron do this, this is amazing. Like they have zero answer for Giannis. He he plays. Well, harder how about than this?
0: How about this conspiracy theory?
1: Oh man, give I, it to me.
0: I agree. Like, I agree with you on the Giannis stuff. So they made a point Devin Booker is playing poorly and Monty Williams at some point just like put him on ice. He's like. In game three. He's like, you know, just sit out. You play 29 minutes. This game's not for I think yet. that's
1: smart, by the way.
0: Might be smart. Or is it a smart way to guarantee Chris Paul wins MVP? <laughs> because you <laughs> limit Booker's totals. Because Booker could have gotten a, some empty calorie, you know. For sure. He could have
1: scored 20. Year. He could have scored 21 points in a game. That right. they lose so 20.
0: now Chris Paul's numbers look a little better than Devin Booker's. Yeah, I don't have the narrative in place.
1: I I also think it's hard to take Chris Paul out of the game. I think Booker, you can pull him and but Chris Paul is like Mr. Competitive. All this BS about his like spirit
0: if you will. <laughs> Devin Booker's trained by Kobe apparently. That's the other big storyline. Mm-hmm. He's Kobe and Gary. <laughs> he was he was like really bad, Devin Booker.
1: It's it's hard for uh, for him to be very bad. It's it's tough because He doesn't give you much defensively, which we already know, but he's so dynamic on offense and it's very fun to watch when he's going. But like when he's bad and he's not hunting shots and he's like he took some terrible shots on Sunday night, just some shots. And he's a good, bad shot maker. Don't get me wrong, as dumb as that sounds. But like they can't afford a bad Devin Booker game for the rest of the series. They really can't.
0: And that that shows you like when donovan mitchell like everyone talks about you know a superstar and then he'll have like a clunker game or devin booker it's like that's why they're not you know quite there that's that's exactly
1: right that's that's a really fun way to put it because like i think we mentioned this before it was fun to watch paul george be the number one option again because even in games where he wasn't shooting a great he was able to like distribute and rebound and defend and like kind of carry that load for the clippers on both sides of the ball still Whereas like these guys just can't really do that just yet. Like they're not Luca, they're not you know Jokic, and, and, and you know Trey Young is getting there for sure. But it, it's kind of why we're hesitant to bump anyone out of that like top ten that we have right. to put in a guy like Booker or put in a guy like Trey Young or put in a guy like you know I don't think Donovan, but or Jason Tatum if you will, because those guys just aren't capable every single night of bringing it at this level. Whereas like we kind of crap on Giannis a lot for his like lack of skill, but you know, you less than anyone and, and, and more so than anyone talk about like night in and night out. you know what you get. He just, yeah. every night.
0: Luca was good. Cause it's like, he'll have some bad shooting nights, but he's clearly like still very impactful.
1: Yeah. You have to stop him. and And that's where like, you know, Chris Paul gets a lot of credit, I think for being, you know, the best point guard ever. And I don't know that I agree with that. And it'd be interesting if you want a title to see how people view him. But he doesn't really have playoff duds per se. Like he, he has some games that haven't been amazing, but like you you pretty much know what you're getting from Chris Paul every
0: day. yeah. Well he's the kind of guy who gives you like like eight out of ten, like every every night. night. Yeah. 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 He's not the Jay Crowder, you know, version. <laughs> Jay Crowder
1: um, wasn't it? Jay Crowder probably ten out of ten on, on Sunday oh, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I feel for Jay Crowder a little bit because He really is only, like, 6'7", or 6'6", right? But he's heavy. So everyone just thinks Jay Crowder is this, like, massive dude. And then, like, you watch, like, Giannis just jump over him, and it just... It's tough. It's a really, it's a hard thing for he, He's been a lot
0: better. I mean, as inconsistent as he is, he's been a lot better than I thought um, in Miami and
1: now. Hasn't and he made the playoffs? Like, he has the new, like, playoff streak, right? Since J.J. Yeah. reddick got snapped last year. I think Jay Crowder. I mean, he
0: was, people, right, rightly so. I don't know if the logic's right, but, like, he was a winner in Boston. He was winning in Utah. He's won, he's won everywhere he's been. He's a winner he's at Marquette. On, yeah. yeah, he's been on good teams. but
1: it, It's also, though, a guy like him... Gets a lot of credit for his contributions when the team is good, and when the team's bad, you don't really you don't really hear that it, like it's his fault, you know. And, it, and he's not really on bad teams. The Draymond, the team's strong, your boy
0: Draymond version, I mean, yeah, similar
1: similar to that. Well, Utah was one for Jay Crowder, right? Like it just didn't sort of work in Utah for him. They weren't yeah. anxious to like re-sign him. But the team was still pretty good, and then in Memphis, like they shipped him out and sent him to Miami, and all of a sudden he just fit in Miami, and it's like, well, that team is a little bit better, and they have more of a need for his skill set. But you'd expect the guy like Jay Crowder could get, a, you know, Phoenix. This was a good signing for them because, yeah. and
0: it, I didn't like it at the time, I'm right? It did, it, what
1: did they give him like three for thirty, right? Yeah, is, he's on like a long term deal.
0: Yeah, for an older guy, and I think just like playing the sort of stretch four works for him because he's tougher much, than his size.
1: It's much better until uh, you play until you play a team that has Giannis. Yeah, that's like, true. We can't play him in stretch four or like they, they almost need a guy like uh, they almost need like James Johnson as well. Like if they had him, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that he, would he, be good. He, he can like credibly play small ball five against a guy like Giannis because and he's like he,
0: tough as hell. Yeah. Um, I'll give you one chance. Okay, so we talked about the finals. Three topics, your choice, dealer's choice, okay? You could either talk about Team USA losing to Nigeria in a warm-up. You could talk about Jamal Mosley getting hired, and maybe they're saying Willie Green might get hired from New Orleans.
1: Well, that's good. Willie Green's been an assistant for a while, too.
0: um, Or you could talk about the super prospect game we were texting about. Team USA, Team France, Under 19 World Cup.
1: Can I just give out Bovada props about the Home Run Derby on Monday night?
0: You could do that, but can I say one thing about that game? Because I yeah, watched. Go I got up. I got up early, nine a.m. Not super early, but still to watch Chet Holmgren, who's supposed to be the number one prospect. And he was, and, and he was
1: MVP of the yeah. tournament.
0: Super skinny, tall, seven foot white guy
1: going to Gonzaga.
0: Yep. Going to Gonzaga, and then the the better version of him was supposed to be the guy. I don't even know how to say his name. Still, I watched the game, Victor when yeah that sounds that's right frame. that's good i'll just you say can, this we can one that say. later that guy is so good yeah um like draft express
1: says that he was he is the most talented prospect that they've ever evaluated yeah
0: they've ever evaluated and they've only been around for whatever 15 years but i mean that's all um, i
1: mean we've seen a lot of talented pro i don't i don't know that right. i wouldn't count them in like the lebron era so it'd be interesting to see like if they would well i thought, like
0: i tend to think like chad ford types are like they're invested in international scouting because that's their job and they want to overhype some of these guys. So when they were saying that, I wasn't quite buying it. But you watch this kid and he's, he looks seven, two, seven, three. He's,
1: he's very long. He's very thin though. Like it'll be interesting he's, to see how he plays. But, in but he
0: looks like he could gain more weight than Chet Holmgren, I think, just like yeah. based on his frame. There's like hands are massive. His yeah, shoulders Holmgren, are a little
1: wired. Holmgren's shoulders are, are pretty, pretty inverted, if you will.
0: Yeah. yeah. So like this guy, I mean, like, I, and this is a, my bold statement. I think there's only about ten NBA guys I would build a team around ahead of that kid.
1: He's 16.
0: I'm just saying. I'm going to take it long gonna term.
1: Be, he's going to be in the Euro League next year. It'll be really interesting to see how he holds up. Now he's not going to play a million minutes. That, that's that's why like the Luca thing, and even like Alpern Sangin this coming draft. Um, when you see young guys play a lot of minutes in the Euro League and be really successful at high levels that's when I think guys are should be viewed as a little bit different, you know, like dragon bender, the guy wasn't playing 30 minutes for Real Madrid. Right. right? But like, when you see a guy like Luca, who's not even, who's 18 and he's like winning MVP of the Euro league. It's, it's different because coaches don't tend to play young guys. And so I would expect that. I'm just going to say Victor. Um, I would expect yeah. that he doesn't play a ton of minutes next year in Euro league competition. I would expect he'll get in the game more in like country competitions, but It'll be interesting to see how he holds up because I think he'll struggle with the physicality because that that's the one thing about that league that I think is very very different than the NBA is that there's just the NBA is a physical game don't get me wrong but there's just it's it's just slower and it's more physical in, in Europe. And so he's 7'3 and he's still very thin and so it'll take him a little bit to kind of adjust to that. But I mean obviously if we see him I think he's a strong favorite. This is this is not on mobodi yet. It would be fun if it was, but he is a strong favorite to go number 1 in the 2023 draft. Uh, over Amani Bates, and so that's why I would I would expect guys like Amani and Jalen Duran to maybe not go to high school this coming year, and not go to co- and and like try to go but to college. I'll tell
0: you, if we did, like sometimes you'll see that in Madden or whatever, like franchise mode, everyone fantasy draft, start your franchise. I'm telling you, like let's that's say who you're picking. I'm not picking him number one, but I'm saying if it was like on the, I'm on the board at like 12,
1: you'd rather have, who's the, who's like the last George. NBA player you'd rather have. And yeah. Like you if, wouldn't want, Paul George is 30. You wouldn't want. Yeah. Home.
0: So I'm just saying Paul George, I'm taking Victor over Paul George. I'm taking him over Chet, who looked a little.
1: Yeah. He's a better so. prospect. He's a better prospect than Chet. The other, you know, there's some other good prospects in that game. Peyton Watson, I think is a guy that we'll hear about a lot. Jaden Ivy is a guy who's in college. He's at Purdue. He has a, Chance to be a big riser, like you pointed that out. You're like, this guy's going to be a big riser, and I think that people are expecting that. Um, who else? Pat Baldwin was in that game. I think Baldwin's probably a top ten pick, depending on how things go at Milwaukee. Yeah, he looked good. He looked like so, Michael
0: Porter a little bit.
1: Yeah, he doesn't shoot it quite that well, but I-, I think that it's interesting the way the U.S. built that team, just because they have like six dudes who are like definitive. Like NBA talent, like prospects, like that people want to know, and then they have a lot of depth, right? They were playing like Kenny Lofton's kid, right, from Louisiana Tech, and he's like 280 he pounds, but he's short. If he's really skilled, and so you know, I, I think that it's fun. It's fun that they got to see USA and France because you know Chet and Victor are considered the two best prospects in that tournament. I, I don't necessarily. I think I'm a little lower on Chet than the industry consensus is, just because I I don't know. You know, if he's Porzingis, that's a really good player, and that's worthy of the number one pick, in my opinion. But I don't, I just don't know how Chet scores. In
0: the yeah, NBA I think right for now. both of them, like that guy, even the kid Victor, I'm like, I don't know if he's going to be an MVP or whatever, but I know he's going to block three shots of the
1: game. Yeah, I mean the rim protection is real with both those guys.
0: Yeah, sure. and I think Chet's the same way. Like he'll he'll put up numbers. I I agree. Like I don't know what his upside is offensively. I don't know. He, he's, you you know, know. He's a
1: good shooter, but it being a good shooter at game speed and, and not in AAU or not in high school is a lot different than we think. Like we we were promised the guys are great shooters and then we watch them shoot and it's like, this is a 31% three point shooter, you know? Like, yeah. and so I think that with Chet, you, you got to buy into the fact that he can really shoot it at a high level in the NBA. And I think, you know, we got a year to watch at Gonzaga. They'll, they'll put him in great positions but, but, you to know, succeed.
0: I, I had a tweet about this. Didn't catch on, but, um, I said, like, they were talking about Victor Wambanyan or whatever. And I said, like, Steph Curry made kids want to be basketball players, want to be three-point shooters. I think you watch a guy like this and you and you want to be, like, a, a scout or a GM or a coach. Because, like, physically, like, what are the oh, yeah, odds yeah. that you're going to be 7'3 and, you're never, and fluid? And you're, and and you're like,
1: never getting fired for taking him, right? It, it doesn't matter. Like, like this is the thing. Like, we talked about this with Portland, right? You, They took Greg Oden. They passed on Kevin Durant. It's like, and and in industry consensus, there was every single. I don't care what anyone says. Every single person that was in the front office at that point capable of making a decision wouldn't have taken Greg Oden number one. And that doesn't get you fired, right? Because like, you didn't make a mistake. He just didn't work out.
0: So like, if you get a chance to take physically, when you see like a real good seven footer, it's just it is feels like unique. You know, it's just like because
1: it's so different. But again, my 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 thing would be like.
0: and this will be my last point
1: and then we will sign off and and let everyone go watch a rerun of this game. But it's hard to project seven, three guys to like stay healthy. The window is very short. There's not a lot of success for guys that are that big in the NBA. And so with Victor, you want to make sure that like, I almost would prefer he plays less minutes over the next couple of years because it's almost
0: like, do you prefer like they say that about quarterbacks where it's like six, three, six, four is ideal. But if they're too tall, it yeah, like, becomes like, a problem.
1: Like Brock Osweiler was yeah.
0: When like was they Peyton said, Man- like 6'6". 6'5",
1: right? And yeah, that's like and the he looks prototypical Trevor but Lawrence is 6'5". Like,
0: but I think they said there's never really been a successful quarterback over 6'5". I
1: don't even know. I can't even name other – other than Brock Osweiler. Well, there's
0: Brock Osweiler. There was um, <laughs> – they'll play for Denver. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John Elway. The taller you are, the yeah. better. <laughs> all right. That's it for us this week. Um, I was going to give some futures on the Homer derby, but I realized it's Monday night, not Tuesday. So that doesn't do you guys any good. So that'll be it for us. Uh, he is Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. You can email the show. Oh, but the wait, wait, oh, wait, actually, wait, one, plug your one, article. Plug your article about one, Brooke which one Lopez.
0: One, oh, no, it's okay. I was just joking about whether Brooke Lopez would be a Hall of Famer if you combined his stats with Robin Lopez.
1: I, that article um, had the best comment about how that person would be 14 feet tall and be very hard to.
0: Color. I was kind of an interesting, and that came from a discussion we had because it's like how good is Brook Lopez historically, and he's not a Hall of Famer. Is he Hall of very good? Maybe probably not. not. He's good though,
1: Brook Lopez. But good. if you
0: added a little Robin Lopez stats in there, he would he turned out to be pretty good. Um <laughs> I want you to say this one thing on Bovada, which is not up yet, but it will be, I'm sure. Okay. Olympics do you think the you know us just lost
1: they should be overwhelming wow. favorites to win but is
0: there another do you have a sleeper team that was one honestly I haven't
1: even re- honestly I, I can't even say that I've looked into what other rosters look like I, I watched Canada not make it but yeah. I don't know what team does Luka play for Slovenia, <laughs> Slovenia? Yeah. yeah let's go with Slovenia that's a nice sleeper team I'll just pick the team with the best player other than okay. the U.S. Uh, I do think the U.S. should be an overwhelming favorite. I don't think...
0: But they did lose.
1: Them losing to Nigeria. They're, they're down to guys. Coached by Mike Brown, by the way. They've only played... They've had like a week to practice. They got dribble handoff to death. Like, I think that they'll be fine. So It's probably uh, good
0: for them, you know, and the documentary that they won't make, but the, you know, <laughs> they, the they sort might. of like the tune-up, you know, humbling experience.
1: All right. Zan underscore Allison, Twitter and Reddit. Email the show at gmail dot com, And uh, as always, Zan, it's a pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison.
0: Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.